Welcome to Specs Speak Science, the scientific podcast hosted by a rotating cast of chemists and industry experts. From highlighting the hidden chemistry in our everyday lives to discussing relevant industry topics, Specs Speak Science looks to deliver informative content to the scientific community. With that, please enjoy this installment of Specs Speak Science. Hi, and welcome to our podcast, Spec Speak Science. My name is Patricia Atkins, the Senior Application Scientist at Spec Certiprep. Today, we're going to be talking about fragrance, flavor, color, mostly about the things called terpenes and flavonoids. They're very important in biological and botanical processes, and they're also important to humans. So we're going to just have a discussion today with Jeff Akers, our Territory Manager from Spec Certiprep about terpenes and flavonoids. Jeff comes from a background where he has a lot of knowledge and a lot of anecdotal stories uh, from the the terpene flavor fragrance industry. So Jeff, why don't you start off by telling us why should we care about terpenes and flavonoids? Well, terpenes and flavonoids are unique compounds. They create fragrances, flavors, colors, um, and they're in basically everything that that we touch every day. Do you have a favorite uh, terpene or a flavonoid that that comes up and you're like, oh yeah, that's one of my favorite ones? <laughs> um, well, every spring I look forward to the hyacinth coming up in my in my garden um, out front. Uh, that's that's a very uh, uh, fragrant flavonoid for me that comes up in the uh, in the hyacinth. Oh, and I bet it has a lot of those floral terpenes in it as yep. well. Yeah. So we've been talking about terpenes. Let me explain a little bit what terpenes are. Um, as Jeff said, they're compounds that contribute to flavor and smell of botanical products. And they're made up of these isoprene units. Now we think of isoprene as the chemical backbone for rubbers and things like that, but it's also the chemical back, uh, backbone for terpenes. And you can have two different types of terpenes, two categories. You can have essential terpenes. These are things that the plant needs or the animal needs for health and growth. And these are usually large terpenes, greater than 15 carbons. Then you have non-essential terpenes. These are mostly for defense. So if you see a plant that has a noxious odor or has some sort of threat display color, this is um, usually part of their defense or their one of their biological processes. And this is a smaller terpene of less than 15 carbons. They're usually created by one of two methods, two pathways, a melavonic pathway called MVA that was discovered in 1950. This also produces cholesterol. So this is a biological process that produces many different chemicals. And this is common for humans, fungi, plants. And there's also the MEP or the DOXP or the DOCS pathway. That was discovered in the 1980s. This was mostly where green algae plants, some protozoan, some bacteria create these terpenes. And of course, plants can use both uh, methods of creating terpenes. So Jeff, do you want to talk a little bit about the, the, the different types of terpenoids? What are terpenoids compared to terpenes? Yeah, well, terpenoids are similar to terpenes. They're somewhat interchangeable. They're, they're a modification of a, a terpene. Basically, um, an oxygen group is added to 
the terpene. Um, you get esters and an ether, and you're you're terping ketoids and ketones that way. And it it, it happens in nature when uh, uh, oxygen is is added to it. Now, I, I actually read something, maybe you can, can talk a little bit about it, that one of the most expensive chemical flavorants in the world is actually a ketone. Yeah, there's a fruit ketone. What is, what is it? Raspberry ketone. That's, that's very hard to produce chemically and rare. And that's why in flavoring, the natural version of it is, is very worthwhile. So that must be a very big, expensive product to extract, I guess, from from the, the raspberries. In my experience, but not with raspberries, with some other fruits, it's it's tons of fruits to get, you know, ounces to to gallons of flavor oils out of them. So that's why many things like toothpaste would use a synthetic mint versus a, a natural mint. Because it's cheaper to produce that way. It's cheaper to produce that way. Again, it is it is terpenes. It's just mint coming from some other plant um, that's chemically extracted to get that flavor versus, you know, crushed up natural mint from years and years ago, how they used to make toothpaste. So those are things like the menthols, the eugenols, and things like that. Correct. So... When you look at terpenes, they're usually characterized by the number of isoprene units in it, the number of carbons in it. And we said before, the essential carbons greater than 15 and the non-essential carbons are less than 15. So the simplest terpene we have is isoprene. That's a hemiterpene. And that has five carbons. Then you have the monoterpenes, things like limonene. They are pretty volatile. They're very volatile compounds. Those are your lemon oils. You think of a lemon oil, that's a monoterpene like limonene. Then you start getting into those essential terpenes, the sesquiterpenes. Those are humulenes. Humulene is one of those kind of like cedar, um, kind of woodsy smells. You have diperterpenes like the taxidiene. And some of these compounds are actually being investigated as anti-cancer drugs because they're antioxidant characteristics. Then you have the sesquiterpenes, triterpenes. And as you keep on going up the list of carbons, they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And one of the ones we're all familiar with are carotenoids or lycopene. And that's a, a tetraterpene that has eight isoprene units and 40 carbons. You think of a, a carotenoid or a carotene, that is actually a terpene. You want to tell us some more about some common terpenes that we might know about, Jeff? Well, I think everyone's most common terpene is your pine smell, your pine oils, your pine oil, pinene, and there's hundreds of different ones from your, your Christmas tree fir to the, the smell of a, a spruce forest to a walk through the, the pine lands in southern New Jersey and the different trees there are, are all pinings. You're, and you have a lot of experience with, with pepper, with our different pepper studies, the carophyllines from peppercorns and that, that spicy pungent smell that you get from pepper and that's why you know people have been searching for pepper for millennia now um, as one of the earliest spices known to man are you a, are you a pepper fan jeff i've become one over the over the years from you know zero zero spice when i was small to now hanging out with with friends who suck down wings with thermonuclear hot sauce on them <laughs> <laughs> bit of a trial and tribulation with with some of those also your 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 grass 
when you mow your lawn, um, you get your neurals and you get some pines in, in that too. Um, so it's everyday smells, everyday things you, you interact with. My personal favorites are the are the the linalools and the geraniums, the the floral smells. Your linalools, your geraniums, your your roses and your your wines, um, and also the geraniums and the linalools you'll often see on the back ingredients of many of your most common shampoos and and soaps because those are very prevalent um, terpenes used in fragrance creation. You know what I'm not really fond of? It's the uh, myrosine, the the myrtles, the cannabises, the hops. They're kind of stinky. And there's sulfates in in some of those too. Um, one of one of my favorites, and those listening and and who are in New Jersey or the New Jersey area know the uh, smell of the Meadowlands Swamp. That is your uh, sulfonated terpenes from that that swampy smell, and that's some of your myrcenes right there. I know some people are probably going to be some interested. I know you have a uh, some experience with some hops and wine terpenes. Why don't you give us a little insight on some of those? Well, your your different beer styles use different different hops. You get your the the hops is that flowery taste to some of your beers, um, and many people like the English pale ales, which are very hoppy and have that bitter character of them. And it's it's something a lot of the, the breweries are are going after. And your grain alcohols, be it your whiskey or, or bourbon, depending on if they use wheat or, or rye, um, get that different grain characteristic that way from the, the raw grain um, that's then distilled. So I know that in the past, we've compared some of the, the, the terpenes in, in wine and beer. What are some of the more significant ones that they have in common? And which are the, some of the ones that, you know, that are different? Well, wine and beer, they're both um, distilled and, and fermented products um, from grains. And uh, they often contain uh, myrcenes and, and linalools and terpenol from the grains. Um, and then they pick up other characteristics as they uh, age and and ferment but the easiest thing to say is before whiskey is a whiskey it's a beer it begins the same kind of process fermentation it's just further distilled after that and turned into a whiskey rather than a shorter distillation and made into a beer i know one of the newest to craze is obviously is cannabis and and sometimes people don't realize there is really a direct relation between uh cannabis and hops you want to talk about that a little bit well they're a similar plant structure um the same family of of plants um and for both of them you your harvest and your interest is the flower itself rather than the the stalk of the the plant um, and it's that flower that contains all of your in if you're just looking at hops it, it just contains your your flavonoids and and terpenes your flavors for it if you're looking at cannabis it includes all of that as it's a similar 
plant structure, but your cannabis plant also includes your cannabinoids and those psychoactive compounds. So if we're looking at terpenes and cannabis, the, the biggest one obviously is the myrosine, and that's a monoterpene. That's where you get things like your, your skunk XL. That's that clove, <clears throat> musky smell. Then Jeff talked about the caraphylenes. Those are your peppery smells, things <clears throat> like you find in, in a Gorilla Glue or a Skywalker variety of, of cannabis. So you have also your florals. You have the linalool. You'll have that, that lavender, and that's like a sour OG. That's a lavender floral cell, uh, smell. And then your campines things that give you that kind of camphor feeling, that kind of, uh, you know, that warm glow that, that people feel when they get a menthol or something like that. And those are all different species altogether. So if we look at all the, the terpenes in, in the wine and the beer and the cannabis, they actually have a lot in common, but the fingerprints tend to be a little bit different. So if you're looking at cannabis, you're looking at more, or hops, you're looking at more of these kind of earthy, um, piney kind of things. If you're looking at wines, you're looking at, you know, more florals and fruit forward kind of, of uh, terpenes. And it's my understanding that a lot of growers uh, profile their cannabis terpenes as kind of like a fingerprint for what they're doing. Correct. I've seen growers and, and testing labs where they use that terpene fingerprint for um, qualifying the the strain and in their final reports back to the growers and dispensaries is all that information will be in there about that, that particular strain. So with all the cannabis regulations, they're not really regulating for terpene, but they're using it as kind of a quality control. Correct. So they're trying to kind of almost promote their brand like a, like a perfume then. Right. Whereas your, your regulators are, concerned with your pesticides and your residual solvents. Um, I mean, your your regulators in the food and beverage industry are, are concerned about the same things as well. And it's the the brands themselves that are promoting the, the terpene and the flavonoid qualities of it, just like $1,000 French wine brand versus a, a $2 food store wine brand. So... We were talking about terpenes, but you didn't mention flavonoids. And I think maybe it's time for us to talk a little bit about flavonoids. So flavonoids are um, non-essential metabolites. They're, they're secondary. They're based on a phenol, sec, uh, excuse me, a phenol uh, group structure. And they generally have a 15 carbon structure with two phenol rings and one uh, heterocyclic pyran ring. So it's a, a complex structure. And they're not exclusive. They're not exclusive from terpenes. There are flavonoids that are terpenes. There are terpenes that are flavonoids. So there is definitely some crossover in the form. And there are three classes of flavonoids by structure, depending on how they're attached to that benzopyran ring. You have the bioflavonoids that are attached at the C2, the, the second carbon. You have isoflavonoids attached at the C3 carbon. And neoflavonoids attached to the C4 carbon. Uh, carbon. And then there are dozens and dozens of other kinds of, of subgroups for that. You have major flavonoids. Most of us have heard of things like flavanols or isoflavones. Mm -hmm. These are, the, these are the, the major things that we think of when we think of color and like basically the, the, the way that that particular fingerprint is made. So what are some important flavonoids, Jeff? Well, flavonoids protect the plant. 
there's important monomers, catchings, which are in teas, berries, and apples. And a lot of people, when they drink wine or eat grapes the, for the antioxidant properties of it, it's the, the flavonoids in uh, the natural food that give us those antioxidant properties. Yeah, I know a lot of people um, sometimes even take uh, supplements of quercetin or catechins because of their their you know their antioxidant properties and things like the malvins though they give those those purples and those blues those anthocyanins they give us those, those really nice dark purple colors it, actually the the flavonoids are pretty fascinating they are the ones who give the major colors of of a lot of plants mm -hmm. so those purples and those yellows those the flavanols are responsible for those bright yellow co colors i know cannabis itself has a a couple of really unique flavonoids do you know what uh, any have any information about some of the the flavonoids in cannabis it, it has vitoxin isovitoxin off the top of my head apigen um, flavonoids that are in in other similar plants as well, but one area that cannabis has unique to itself are the canaflavins attached to the the plant that seem to be unique to that particular plant. So when we're looking at uh, flavonoids in cannabis, what's one of the ways it can express? Is it is it mostly color that we see a lot of of differences in? It's color in the different buds, um, depending on the, the flavonoids in them, give off different, for example, cartanoids are orange and yellow. Um, you may see that in there, or there's, there's black flavonoids, which give off black or, or blue hues to the plant. And it's all, it's, it's natural in the plant to attract pollinators to, to the plant or um, repel pest insects from, from the plant. So all of those colors of cannabis that we hear about, like uh, purple haze and, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, orange sunset and things like that, those are actually referring usually to the colors. And in some cases, in some of the pictures that I've seen of these purples and stuff, they almost look fake. They're really bright. Right. Yeah. It's pretty unique to, to them. Uh, but that is what, you know, if you're, in a, a dispensary, you're, you're, you'll certainly know which jar on the shelf is, is purple haze. And that's true. Overall, the fragrances and the flavors are from the terpenes and, and the flavonoids, and they're very important compounds. I mean, they're part of the defense system. They're part of the reproductive system. You think of the colors and the fragrances. As Jeff said, they attract different pollinators. And you'll find these in almost all agricultural products grapes, wine, mm -hmm. tea, juices. I mean, all you have to do is go to an expensive tea store and open up one of those uh, canisters and it's full of color and full of, of wonderful scent. These are very important agricultural compounds and very important uh, botanical compounds. And for humans, we are now just really discovering their antioxidant effects and their health effects. So they're very important for humans too. I know uh, Spex has been involved with terpene research for the cannabis industry and the food industry for a long time. Mm -hmm. I, uh, we have a lot of uh, a lot of documents that are available, and you know, did you want to tell them about some of our new our new products? As you mentioned, um, manufacturing standards for terpenes for for quite a, a while. We have um, one that is is forty two terpene compounds. Um, and you've put together some uh, solubility and, and use guides 
um, which are, are very useful. And now we're looking at expanding on the terpenes with some flavonoid compound standards, 11 or, or 12 flavonoids in a mix similar to the, the terpenes. Um, we've had a lot of interest and requests from some of our customers. So we're taking a look and seeing um, what we can do in, in, that, in that range. No, that's a coming soon. That's a coming very soon, yeah. Well, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed uh, chatting with you today. And you have a lot of a lot of antidotal evidence and antidotal stories about, about terpenes and flavonoids. And I think it's uh, been good to add to our understanding. Thanks a lot. Well, no problem. SpecSpeak Science is presented by Spec Certiprep, a leading manufacturer of certified reference materials and calibration standards for analytical spectroscopy and chromatography. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating the podcast and subscribing for future installments. Similar content such as application notes, research studies, webinars, and more can be found at specsertiprep.com. Thank you for listening to SpecSpeak Science, and we look forward to bringing you future episodes.